Welcome on this good day that the Lord has made. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is brought to you by the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I encourage you to learn more about the amazing work we're doing all around the world. Just go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about this radio ministry or our missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. It's from that fellowship that we share with you God's Word. We're considering the story of a floating axe head from 2 Kings chapter 6. It's an odd account of an odd event. Maybe you've not heard of it before. A man has lost his axe head in the waters of the Jordan. Elisha asks him where he lost it. The man points to the spot in the river. Elisha breaks off a branch, throws it in the water at the point where the axe head has sunk, and the axe head floats to the surface. Now, it's not just that it's a strange account, but it's also a miracle that seems unnecessary. It's addressing such a minor need. What do we make of it? Join me as we consider small miracles. We just read in our scripture reading from Matthew 17, the story of the temple tax. It's due. Maybe Peter is short of the two drachmas that are required for him to pay his temple tax. The Lord Jesus overhears Peter talking to others who are testing to find out whether the Lord Jesus actually, whether Jesus pays his temple tax. And and Peter says, well, of course he does. Yes, he does. I don't know if he did or not. When he came in, the Lord Jesus says, Peter, let me ask you a question. Does the Lord of the temple, in a sense, is the question, or do kings of the earth take their taxes from their sons or from others in their domain? Peter says, from others. He goes, well, but that we might not offend anybody, let's go and let's pay the tax ourselves. So go take a line and throw it into the lake, and the first catch that you find you'll find in its mouth four drachma. Pay your tax, pay mine as well. That's kind of an incidental miracle, isn't it? I mean, it's not necessary. It's not required. They could have come up with the coins in a different way, but there's our stories. What does this all mean? Well, I think we'll discover when we look at all of those stories, which I just mentioned, that there's a deeper meaning than just the incidental miracle that's been performed. There's something underlying it, a greater and more wonderful truth that's being foreshadowed or expressed, something of the salvation that the Lord Jesus is bringing that's being revealed when he turns the water into the wine. The Lord Jesus is announcing that the kingdom that he's going to bring is going to be a kingdom of greatest joy and blessing and that he will save the best of all for last of all. In other words, it's only going to get better and better and better when the Lord Jesus takes his disciples and sends them out to fish, and he does that, by the way, and they fill their nets again at the very end of his life and ministry and those days after his resurrection and before he ascends into heaven, the same event takes place. The Lord Jesus is reminding them and teaching them that he has a a fishing assignment for them that's more significant than fishing for fish, that they're to be fishers of men. They're to go and seek to retrieve and bring to him all those that he wants into his kingdom and And the story of the temple tax, where the coin is in the fish's mouth, the Lord Jesus is basically explaining to Peter that we are heirs of God, we're sons of God, that all things are ours, that we can claim everything on earth for ourselves, but that we ought to, since we're citizens of this earth, be polite and not offend anybody. Not in a sense, abuse our privileges and our honor, and we should still give deference to the authorities around us, and so... Although we should always remind ourselves that God, our great king, is our father and that we're his sons and that in his kingdom he provides everything from us out of his resources. And Paul says of this reality of the believer that everything is ours. Everything is ours. 
everything on earth and everything in heaven, everything in the future, everything in the present, everything in the past. He says, Paul and Apollos and all men are ours. They all serve our benefit because we're heirs of the king. And that's something of what is the deeper truth that is being taught in this experience. And there is something significant under this story in 2 Kings 6, which I want to get to and talk about. But the first thing I just want you to see here is, I want to get back to the main point that I was making here, is that God is not just a God of miracles of magnitude alone. (laughs) That he is also a God who provides miracles in small measures to meet the incidental needs of our lives. In fact, the Bible mentions mostly the great miracles that take place. And actually, I thought about this just the other night. I don't know if it does. I don't know if the Bible just primarily mentions only great miracles or the fact is the incidental miracles are so plain and so common that we just pass right through them and we don't even notice them. We almost ignore the fact that there was this donkey and the foal of the donkey that was provided and just waiting for the Lord Jesus at just the right time and the right moment for him to walk into Jerusalem. We almost ignore the fact that there was some man fetching some water who actually has a room for all the disciples to meet in and provide for them to meet in and it's, it just kind of incidentally takes place but if we read our Bibles we might discover that there are these small incidental miracles that are happening over and over and over and over and over again and we ignore them we don't even appreciate them because our eyes just flash to the big magnificent moments and the miracles of great magnitude and we miss the common ones it also might be that the common ones aren't expressed and written down as often because they're so common that it's just assumed that we'll be noticing them and recognize them in life and it would uh, well there's It would take up too much room to write all those incidental miracles that took place. It's not because they're rare, but because they're so common, so incidental that we hardly notice them, but they're taking place all the time. And it's this truth that God is active in all the incidental moments of our lives that leads you, by the way, to pray when you misplace your keys. Right? Lord, help me find my keys. That, it's because God is a God that deals in incidental moments. It's this truth, knowing that God is involved in even the small things of your life that makes you pray that God would help you recall the information that you studied the night before when you're taking a test. It's this truth that makes you pray that the light will turn green when you're late for an appointment that's important to you. Oh, God, please let that light turn. You know, These are the things that come from your lips because you've learned and discovered through your life, and then you forget about it, that God is in the incidental things of your life. God's at work. And in these things, he's weaving you to trust in him and rest in him. And Let me just challenge you to take inventory of some of the many miracles, small miracles maybe, and answers of prayer that God has provided for you. They were not great matters, but they demonstrated God's interest in measuring out the concerns and needs of your life and delivering and providing for you. The other day I was talking to a friend and he didn't know what I was going to be preaching on, but he shared with me a great illustration. His wife was reading and she was reading the story of how the nation of Israel crossed over the Jordan River and how as they were crossing over the Jordan River that God had divided for them, they collected stones and on the other side they set up a monument and then they were instructed after that to take their children and whenever their children saw that monument of stones to explain to them how God had miraculously delivered them from Egypt and through the wandering in the wilderness and brought them through the Jordan in the promised land and it was to be a memorial for them and she began to think I should create some memorials myself and so her and her husband that night sat down and they began to think of just 
incidents in their life where God had miraculously provided for them in different ways, and they came up with about 50 of them. And she wrote each one of them down, and she numbered them. She created a key, a word key, like they would find one single word that was an interesting word related to that miracle, and she made this little key as they were talking about it. Maybe it didn't happen just that night or a few days. And then she went and she bought a number of round stones. And then on each one of the stones, she bought about 50 of them, each one of the stones, she wrote out the keyword on that stone. Then she hid them about her house. Then when one of her 10 grandkids would come and visit during the week, she would play a game with them where they were to run around the house until they found a stone. And when they brought the stone, found the stone, they would bring it back to her or him, and they would tell them what that stone, what the story was behind that stone. So they had all these memorial stones. He said, you know, our grandkids to this day now say that their favorite thing to do at grandma and grandpa's house was to search for and find a stone. And they would collect them and put them in a jar until she said, she said now all 50 of those stones are in a little jar, a big jar that we had, because over time they collected all of those stones. One stone at a time, one visit at a time, until all the stories were told of the miracles that God had provided in their life. Well, that's what we're talking about here. It might be a good exercise for you. Just to begin thinking of all the different ways, instead of counting sheep when you can't sleep at night. Think of the incidental ways and the small miracles where lost axe heads floated in your life. And God brought back to you something that you might have thought was lost or provided for you against a great loss or ministered to you in the midst of it. The application, obviously, is to keep note of the small miracles that often channel into your life. And remember that God is active in caring for you. But let's look at another thing here. The second thing I want you to see here is that every work of God in your life correlates to something realized in his great work of saving you from your sins. Every work of God in your life correlates to a story of something greater that God has done for you. Put it this, all these incidental miracles are pointing their fingers to the magnitude of the great miracle God performed in saving you from your sins. And you don't want to miss that story. You want to allow them to point to those things. I'll try to illustrate this to you for a moment. Things that you experience almost on a regular or daily basis that point you to the great salvation that you received. When you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a moment when you recognized your sin and that your sin separated you from God and that it was weighing upon you and was bringing you down into God's judgment and you cried out to God and you confessed your sins and you asked him to forgive you of your sins and at that moment God came and he washed you and cleansed you of all your sins so that you were right and clean before them and then he come and he poured his life into you and he lives inside of you and you're clean, you're clean. You've had what the Lord Jesus told Peter was your bath. You might remember the story on the night in which the Lord Jesus was arrested after he had the meal with the disciples and after they celebrated the meal, he took a robe and he wrapped it around himself and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And when he came to Peter, Peter said, Lord, not me. You're not washing my feet. You're too important. And the Lord Jesus said, Peter, if I can't wash your feet, I can't have an exchange or relationship with you. Peter then said, then wash my head, wash my hands, wash me all over, give me a bath. And the Lord Jesus said, no, Peter, you get your bath once, but periodically you need to have your feet washed. I remember hearing my father share this story to a man who had just recently prayed to receive Christ and explaining to him a very practical lesson in it, and I've never forgotten it. But the story is that when you receive Jesus, you get your bath. But the fact is, you live in a world that's filled with sin. You're still subject to temptation. You're still subject to failure. You disappoint. You know it. You feel it. 
and God has opened up uh, the access to come to him at the end of every single day and have your feet washed and be made clean. And If we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, every one of us know that we haven't gone out from that situation perfected, that we still do things that are wrong and disappoint and we're convicted of. And The Bible has a word for us. We're to confess our sins. And God is faithful and just to us because he's made a provision for us to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we get to go, uh, my senior pastor, my first church, used to call that verse, the 1 John 1, 9, the Christian's bar of soap. Basically, this is the place where we get to be made clean. We get to be made right. And every single time we do that, every single time we come before the Lord and we ask him to wash us and cleanse us of some defiling thought or some sin or moment of impatience or whatever it is, lack of trust, every time it was something that's even come upon us from outside that we've just felt as defiling influence, every time we do that little moment when he takes care of that incident of sin in our life, it reminds us that it's anchored in the great salvation he provided for us in the great bath that we received when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And it draws us into something greater and more wonderful. There are a lot of ways in which I could illustrate that, but we don't have enough time this morning. But let's look at our story here. Let's make an application from the very story that we read. Our story correlates to salvation as well. Keep track of the incidental miracles more common in your life than you know. They point us to a God who has promised that all things belong to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today at The Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism. It's our purpose to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, personal discipleship, and the planning of new churches around the world. If you'd like to learn more, please go to traincpe.org to contact us. Now, until we gather again around the bread of life, may God bless you.